Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, Tim tells a terrible dad joke, I reveal the color of the Grim Reaper's motorcycle, and together we begin a four-part conversation on how to be a Christian in the age of outrage. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast. Hey. Episode seven. Siete. Uno, uno. No, that's 11. That's 11. That's right. No, that's not 11. Guys, welcome back. Uh, My name is Jeff. Across from me is Chester Twinkle Shorts. Better known as Tim. Is Tim. Yeah. Timmy. And really the star of the whole thing, Hairless Joe Tillett. And why do we call him hairless now? Because he did a full body wax top from, from tip of the head to his, I don't know. No, actually, he's, he's as good looking as one of those hairless cats now. Yeah. He lost it all. But you, you shaved it all. Well, you kind of buzzed it. Buzzed your entire head. You, you did have like one of those, uh, you know, big, like, I don't know. What, what kind of beard would we call that? Like a Unabomber beard or something? Yeah, that, that's not inappropriate at all. No. No. It was, a, it was a big, scary beard. Yeah. Yeah, it was a leave me alone, I'm saving my food for later beard. Didn't the Unabomber have a big beard? Or am I thinking of Manson? You're thinking of Manson. Manson, yeah, okay. So the beautiful thing, and he's showing us a picture now. We need to figure out a way to put this on the website and show notes. But so we go on YouTube as well. Oh, that's it's on. Well, it's not on YouTube. It's on no your video Twitch. on YouTube though. Yeah, the video. Video. What? What video? There's video. So, okay, this is a terrible start to the program. But the did I just call it a program? I don't think I don't know. Anyway, you're old. We'll get to that in a I minute. Am, uh, so Joe is like the I would call you the president of Magfest. That's nope. not really the thing. President, he's not, but he's he's a, a a major player. Like they call him when they need stuff loaded in, and uh, and he is involved in like this video. Is it video games? It's video game music. It's video game right? music. Yeah, and video games. And he's so annoyed with us already. And right. and, and he raised fifty thousand dollars. Well, they they did a they did a, a ten hour telethon. On Sunday night. Do you have Jerry Seinfeld there too or something? A telethon? No, Bob Hope maybe? Jerry Seinfeld. I'd love to see a Jerry Seinfeld telethon. What was it? Who, who was the guy that always did the telethons? Jerry Lewis? Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis, yeah. Yeah, Jerry Lee Lewis. He just played Great Balls of Fire for 10 hours. Yeah. Yeah, and so Joe, one of the things that they were doing when they were trying to raise money is they said, you know, like you do, if you hit a certain amount of money, we will uh, chop this off your body or whatever. And so he got half his beard cut off for a while and then half of his hair went off, but the way they did it and there's video and we got to figure out a way to link it to because it's, it's an amazing video. Sure. The guy who cut it gave him what they called the Danny DeVito, which is like kind of like the Friar Tuck all the way around, but like with one little piece that's very long up front and just oh, kind of kicked back like, oh man, it was so good. Perfect. It was so good. So you almost like the Gerber baby, or with just yeah, that little, yeah. little curl. a grown Gerber baby. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, Josie's a grown Gerber baby. I think we need to move on. But good, <sighs> good job, Joe, for raising all that money for yeah. your nonprofit. Man, go play your video game music. Over a hundred thousand dollars. They quit it. two hours early because they were like, you know, what? we've made enough money. Yeah. I'm so like, why can you grow all your hair back out and we'll raise money for missions or something? How about that? Yeah. Guilt trip. 
Um, <laughs> hey, so I mentioned you're you're old. So oh. just to the listeners, we are recording this in mid September, and we actually normally record on Thursday. We're yeah. recording on Wednesday, but because on Thursday, this Thursday, tomorrow is the fortieth birth <sighs> birthday um, of our good host mm. and good buddy Jeff. This is my last day in my thirties. Four zero. It this feels, is the top of the hill, by the way, is it not? I don't know. I mean, it. The, whatever this hill is, this hill sucks. What age now is over the hill? I don't know, like 80? Yeah, I don't know. Sure. Like now, I don't know. But, but yeah. You may be at the apex, the pinnacle, the climax. Mm-hmm. You may be at the just the top. Well, right I peaked now. in middle school, so this has oh, just been sure. a very long time of just getting up a hill. I completely believe my body's about to shut down. Where are you going tomorrow? I'm going to dinner with my wife and my dinner? children. We're going to Ruth's Chris. Ruth's Chris? Ruth's Chris. I've never figured out how to say it. I mean, oh. we've been there many times. I've never figured out how to say this. This year, I'm I'm not one for celebrating birthdays. Mm-hmm. My birthday, I don't really care. I'm like, whatever. But heading into 40, I was like, okay, this probably should be done. We should do something big. Yeah. And so for Jen's 40th, I don't know that I should have said her age. Um, we took her, we took like a, a three day trip, just she and I to New York city. We saw a bunch of shows. Mm-hmm. We ate a bunch of food. Mm-hmm. So and this so is going to be a cheaper birthday. Though. I was very excited for my 40th. I'm going, we're going to go on a cruise. We're going to go to Florida. Or I've we're been telling go, you to go on a cruise. I know. And we've been, we're going to go, I don't know where we're going to go. We're going to go to New York and go see some shows. COVID. COVID ruins everything. Mm. And so, you know, what? It, it, it may be a conspiracy just for your birthday. I, I would not put it past the yeah. government of the world. Start that tweet chain. Yeah. I'm, some people would believe it. And I believe we're going to talk about that day. Yeah. So today is my last day in my 30s. So by the time you guys hear this, this will air in uh, three weeks. Mm-hmm. So by the time you guys hear this, I will be dead. Yeah. I don't you still have a full head of hair. You have zero mm. gray when I look no, like I Steve do. Martin over no, here. No, I do. No, I have gray. I just, I, I cut it close. I mean... Yeah, and I'm 13 months behind you, so I'm going to enjoy the next 13 months of my 30s. Here's my thing. Have fun. With your wonderful head of hair, how much money do you think, Josie, we could have gotten for Tim's hair? hair? Nobody's paying to see me get... You know what? Let's do that. You know why they pay... 100K, 100K. get out of here. You know why they pay to see him take his hair off? Because it looked terrible. You know why? (laughs) That's not Nobody would pay mine because it's wonderful. That's not, that was a mean thing to say. Well, it was said in Christian brotherly love. There's no such thing. Uh, So this actually reminds me of something that I need to do after this. So we're going to, we're going to add a new segment into the show called. I'm sorry for what I said last week. I'm sorry for what I said last week. And I know what you did last summer. Right. (laughs) I know what you ate last year. (laughs) And so I have to apologize for something that I said. Like I actually said multiple, one of these will be in my confession, but I do need to say something like, I'm sorry for something that I said last week. How sorry. Um, so we talked about school starting yeah. and I ragged on homeschoolers a lot and called them weird and whatever, because I felt like they were now my people because I'm a homeschooler, but I realized I'm not. Wait, you are apologizing for multiple things because you told me what you're going to apologize for. And this isn't even it. That, that's in my confession. Oh. Yeah. So I figured if I can just do two things dumb in each episode, I can have something to confess at the beginning of the episode and something to confess at the end. The thing at the end is real. I mean, I'm. Really sorry that I called homeschool is weird. I was sure. making a joke, but then when I listened back to it, I never, uh, I never came back and clarified that. Oh, I'm just joking. You guys, you're, you guys are great. Well, you you realize you've just 
because now everyone is homeschooled, you just offended the entire United States. No, population. but there's like there's like there's there's homeschooling. There's, and then virtual, there's virtual school. There's virtual sure. schooling, which is we are at home doing school, and as soon as the doors open, please take my kid. And then there's the weird people. I did it again. Like where you say I'm going to keep my kids home and I am going to teach them, which is a bold strategy, Cotton. And that's what we're doing. Well, the good thing is you are proving the oxymoronic um, title of our podcast. Yeah. That there are no good Christian people, including the hosts themselves, especially the hosts themselves. Especially. Yeah. Josiah just <laughs> held up a sign. And it says, I, I was, was homeschooled, homeschooled and it's spelled, spelled wrong. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> It's not, but it was, yeah, the handwriting's terrible. Uh, So yeah, no, I apologize to all of our homeschooling friends who are definitely not listening because right now you guys are like apple picking or something. I got to stop talking, but I'm very excited because between the last time we recorded and today, we monetize. We, well, I don't know that we monetize, but we're on the way. (laughs) We're on the way because first thing you have to do is get followers and then you make those followers pay. Uh, I think that's, I don't know if that's what people do. But we received two emails. Oh my goodness, two, two emails. emails. And both of them we hit the big time. were nice. Oh really? Yeah, both of them were nice. I don't expect that to last no. as, this, uh, as this goes on. This is why you are monitoring that in, uh, email inbox. So what I have discovered is that Facebook is a very easy platform to dump on people. Yeah. And be rude. No, we got but that. To send an email is just shy of a handwritten card, I mm. think. Well, oh, nicely worded. So we got a we got a shout out to uh, Melody. Do we use our last name? No, Melody H for sending us an email that basically I don't remember exactly the gist of it, but it was something along the <laughs> two lines. Two emails, of, and you have the, that good a comprehension. Well, because email number two, and we're going to talk about this in a second. Email number two was um, a manifesto. I did read that one. It yeah. was long. Yeah, it was. It was. A, it took a couple of days to get through. What you say? But Melody basically oh, was like, sorry. "This is the greatest podcast I've ever heard, oh, wow. and I just wish you guys would just never stop talking." Wow. So that's, Melody, thank you for your, at least I, that's how I remember it. Yeah. It was something. I'm sure. I think it was just like, Hey, I think my wife just choked on whatever she's like snacking on while your wife listens to this. Yeah, she oh, does actually. Yeah. Huh. Neat. Yeah. Well, What's she's, we like? got to get our listens up somehow. So. <laughs> I have listened on my phone. I have listened she, on my computer. I was like, kids, turn this on. Like, she, works don't on want to, Daddy. she works on one of those little click farms in India. Right. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then we got the manifesto from Amy. Amy, I got very scared because it's when, when I saw the subject line, because it said a couple of thoughts or 20 and I went, that's kind of like every single email that you ever sent. Right. I send very long emails and mm. I was extremely impressed by this email because I'm like, there are so many words and she discussed every episode and she did not, she was not disgusted in her disgust. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that didn't come out right. We'll edit it in post. And, uh, she like had nice things to say and just like, I liked this. I like that you all talked about this. I like, well, we know Amy. She's a nice lady. She's very nice lady. Big fan of her husband. Uh, and he's, a he's big. He's a huge man. Uh, and, but one of the things <laughs> that Amy, tall. let's say tall. tall. Yeah. He's yeah. really tall. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we love him to death. He's on our, uh, he's on our tech team. And so at the end of her email, she said, listen, you guys have asked for, ideas. You guys have asked for suggestions on how to improve the podcast. Here are my suggestions. And she gave us 10 suggestions. Okay. 
and and the, they were good. I don't want to go through all of them. I don't want to like necessarily show our hand and where we might be headed. But I mean, actually, one of them was like, "You should have a guest on." And I'm like, "Ha ha!" When I saw her, I was like, "We do have guests. You just have not heard them yet." And then she dropped these six, and I was reading them, and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, I guess we definitely need to improve." Number five on the list was "Don't be boring." Okay. And I went, "Ooh, deal. We'll try." Number six, be funny. Okay. Tell a joke. And I went, I felt like we had tried to be funny. I felt like we had tried to tell a joke. Number seven, don't hold back when expressing your feelings and opinions. And the whole time I'm starting to like feel bad about myself going, we've gotten to the wrong line of work because I, this really stung. Uh, and I know she was talking about me and not you. Use a tone of voice that is pleasant to the audience. <laughs> and I went, okay. okay, like thanks, Ames. Number nine, and this is when I felt like maybe something was up. Stop being so real. Where are your standards? And I'm like, if I had a dollar for every time somebody asked where my standards are. And then lastly, stay away from controversial topics. And I went, oh, that's the whole point of the podcast. But it's about to get way more controversial. Yeah. I can't help with any of that. I'm boring with a bad voice. That was good. That was the way you did that. (laughs) Yeah, But I can tell a joke. Mm. Three-legged dog walked into the bar and said, I'm looking for the man who shot, shot my paw. paw. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then the line right after that is, just kidding about five through ten, by the way. And I was like, oh, thank God. And no. I was like, oh, because I was really starting to feel like, well, maybe we should just do four episodes. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. So anyway, that's not the only mail that we received this week. Okay. Uh-huh. So we we did receive an email, but then, Tim, we got an envelope. We've been getting these envelopes but, mailed to the church. But they, we've taken a hiatus from getting them. It's been I, a while. It's been a, it's probably been a year. Close to it. Wow. So, guys, every now and again, we get these white envelopes with four to five stamps on them with thick pages yeah. of typing. That's a lot. It is extreme amount of, I'm going to scan all this in and put it in the show notes. Probably and, they um, could save paper if they didn't use like 24 point font. Right. It's huge. It's huge, but it makes it look, it, it was a 20 page manifesto Gee. from literally a crazy person. Okay. Now this guy, I'm assuming it's a guy. Um, I, I you know, be fair and say maybe it's a woman. It's probably a guy. And every time he sends us something, it comes from a different address. And the first few were in Colorado. The first few were in Colorado. And, and at first we're like, this is insane. I mean, it's insane drivel. It is, it is conspiracy theories. It is political, Mm -hmm. um, just verbal diarrhea. Any of his prophecies come true yet? Not a one. Okay. Uh, in fact, last year we were getting letters from him saying that the world was going to end this past Christmas, that there was going to be a nuclear war between America and, China and that has not happened. Nobody knows the hour except for my father. Except for well, and that guy, and that guy from Colorado. But now he's from Missouri Mm -hmm. uh, because we we got one from there. And and after the first few, he's getting closer. He (laughs) after the first few letters, we like pops on staff actually called the FBI, uh, the FBI team down in Colorado to say, hey, listen, serious? Called the FBI? Yeah, called him and just said, listen, we're, we're getting these things. Because it, it, is in, it is talking about inciting violence. Uh, in fact, in, in the first one, he basically said that the traitors, uh, and of course, naturally, I mean, they're all, I mean, he hates everybody in the government, some mm. more than others, but, but talked about how traitors had taken over. Textile traitors? No, like just traitors. Oh, traitor. Oh. Traitors, yeah. Benedicts. They, they, had, they had taken over 
Walmarts, hmm. two whole towns, hmm. a few re- a few truck stops, hmm. and uh, and then there were a couple of cities in California where they had just um, killed everybody oh. in the town. Wow! So I'm like, okay. And the fake news told us none of that. None of it. And so he said, "What we need to do is we need to get like U-Haul trucks and arm them oh. like we're in Mad Max because Ooh. the time is coming." Wow! So what did he say this time, bro? This is the longest one he's ever sent us. And I went and I, I did not read all of it. I don't ever read all of this, but I just kind of read it. Cause, but after a while, I'm like, man, this guy, like, it's funny, but it's not like, it's scary. And we're going to talk about that yeah. uh, to, here in a second. But sad that somebody actually thinks this way enough to spend money. Mind you. That's the thing. Is it, s- how if many, he's it, sending it right. to us and he's using five stamps to do it. That's two fifty. A, a a letter. Yeah. And I'm like, what kind of life do you have that you have this much time and this much expendable income that you can just, I don't know. Anyway. Maybe he shaved be- his head for charity. <laughs> <laughs> These are coming from Josie. That's what it is. All right. So what I've done is I've taken four pages of this. I mean, we're not going to read much of this at all, but um, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. So okay. I'm going to ask you, what do you think comes next. Okay. All right. And this one isn't so much of that, but, but I will ask you, okay, based on his timeline of events that okay. have happened, timeline of events. Yeah. What occurred in December, 2009, okay. and then at least three times in 2010. So um, four times between December, 2009 and December, 2010, maybe more, but at least four times. Mm-hmm. California wildfires. China declared war on the United States. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you miss that in the news? I did. Fake China, news. Okay. All right. So this one is great. I'm going to just read a sentence and then I want you to tell me what comes next. And Joe, you've got your little pad there. I want you to. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's right. Cause Josie read this too. He just turned it over on one of the, like on page 93, he wrote that Obama died on December 20, 20 December 21st. 2018, which is why in, President, in this, Obama. President Obama yeah. died two years ago. Oh, and that's why he refers to it as the late President Obama. Hold on. So to, to Elvis clear, is still alive, but mm-hmm, President Obama is, passed. is not. And he's <laughs> been replaced. Oh, okay. We don't believe that we are not with an Android. Uh, who knows? I don't know. Um, so I'm going to read this and then I want you to tell me what you think comes next. Okay. We being spiritual parents cannot just go out into the universe and steal another spiritual parents planet and murder them and all of their spiritual children. Here we go. These universal solar systems and suns. What? (laughs) These universal (laughs) solar systems and suns. I'm not even tracking with the first part of that. Do not just grow on trees. The universe is, do not just grow on trees. Oh, well, I think they've been spoken to existence. Yeah. Page number five. Yeah. Two thirds of the way down. Then after these first 500 lifetimes that God is planning out for us, hmm? God has what? I've, I've, I've changed. God has what type of war oh. prepared for us? Well, I hope it's a food fight. It is a laser type war. <laughs> yes. Laser pew, tag pew, in heaven? Pew, pew. Hold on. Is this is this the new heaven and the new earth? No, I this... think what he's saying is it's happening here. Oh, that laser even though tag. the world is the world is going to end about, last Christmas. How about go-karts? Can we do that we, as well? Yeah, probably. Nice. And then we'll do an escape room. Uh and then lastly, this one just absolutely gets me. It's um two words, and I just I just want you to tell me. God's boy holy ghosts wear black. God's girl, holy ghosts, wear violet. 
God's grim reaper is white and he rides a what? Oh, well, it's, it's gotta be, you know, a rickshaw, a white motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I I shouldn't, I shouldn't be, I know. All right. right. Let's clarify. Yeah, it is scary. We shouldn't laugh at mm, questionable mental health. Correct. But my goodness, that's, it, 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 it is so out there. Man. You hope it's a joke. But I don't think it is. I don't think it is. But there's somebody out there who, uh, there's no, I mean, he, he must be sending to other churches. God help us. If he's only sending it to us. If that's the case, we're going to have to up our security on Sundays. But He's I don't, getting closer. Yeah. He went from Colorado to Missouri. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy. But so here's the thing. This is the reason we, we, we bring this up. I actually was thought this kind of ties in fairly well and leads into where we're going to go today. Which is... Christians in the age of outrage. Christians in the age of outrage. Because right now we are in a time in our culture, in our society, where things are just insane. Tense. Yeah. And people are kind of insane. Mm -hmm. And there are people who are spewing things that are just not even kind of near truth. Mm -hmm. Um, And and like when we read those, those things, that's definitely not something that we would go, this is legit and we need to take this seriously. Mm -hmm. But there are things like that, that are out there where people who have a microphone are getting a platform to say things that are not wise. They mm-hmm. are not true. They are not. In fact, there was a, a guy, I, I sent you the link. There was a pastor, Rick Joyner. This was a Newsweek article mm-hmm. and he was on, I forget, was it Jim Baker's show? He oh, called yeah. all Christians to mobilize for civil war. What's, um, for what civil war? The civil war that is coming. Okay. Between that, who and who? I don't know. Between the Christians and I think the liberals. Because the Christians and the liberals. I, I didn't read it all that far. I just was like, you've got to be kidding me. Why do people, why do people let people like this speak? Like yeah. it just, it, and, and what he said was, is it over the years, God has seated, like not seated, but seated, like planted into the soil of the United States, military veterans Mm-hmm. Right to lead a what he called a God-backed Christian militia. And hold on, this was in the letter. No, no, this no, no, no. This was in a Newsweek article. Oh, Newsweek so, article. So th- that letter yeah. is just is, is crazy talk, right? Like, okay, this is that. an actual pastor who went actually on the record, mm-hmm. and Newsweek is reporting. P- it. Please tell me what what denomination was he from? I don't. I I mm-hmm. literally I did not mm-hmm. do very good research on it because I just was like I cannot. I met a guy once at a campground and we had a similar conversation. We talked all night. It was, it was intense. (laughs) Aren't we supposed to, we're supposed to have jokes now, right? Thanks, Amy. Right. Wasn't that the, I mean, I think we remember when she talked about where our standards, I think our joke standards, that was too low a little bit. Uh, no, but good effort. All right. So you bring up that, which brings up a good discussion here mm-hmm. and, and and obviously this is not our main discussion so we can't do too much of it but sometimes christians can be really crazy mm. and i think it, we, we discussed this a little bit before via text i think it brings up a larger question which i think we could do a later podcast on is the united states of america are we a christian nation 
Now, mm. certainly some people make the very valid points that we're kind of built on Judeo-Christian principles and morals and ethics written into the parchment of our constitution and different things. And many of the founding fathers were Christians. Many of them sure. were just deists, yeah. but many of them were yeah. Christians. Um, so, and, and, and there are many people who take that and say, we are a Christian nation, God bless the USA. And so I would imagine that this guy might be saying, Hey, we are a Christian nation. We are moving towards not being a Christian nation anymore. Right. I would argue that that is an invalid point, but I, I've heard that that point made by several, uh, several other people. And so if we're not going to be who we're, you know, we've always been, let's take up arms because right. of course that's what Jesus calls us to do hundred percent is to take up arms and claim back our United States of America. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh okay. God. I'm just double checking. Yeah. And I mean, and so what, what he said and, and please, if you're, oh, if you're just hearing like, this is almost dangerous to have this conversation because I don't want people to hear like this passing and being like, did those guys just call for civil war? No, we did not. Uh, In context there, y'all. There are people who are calling for that. And saying that God is telling us that is what we need to be doing right mm-hmm. now. Um, and that, like, please hear us say, that's crazy talk. Like, we are not advocating that at all. But so it just he, goes to show yeah. that there are people out there who are saying insane things, and they're getting a platform, and it's growing. So here's a pastoral, pastoral annoyance of mine. The amount of people who use as a crutch or as some sort of a throw into a conversation, well, God told me X, Y, and Z, or God did not tell me X, Y, and Z. So God told me to go do this, and so that's why, and I'm thinking, "Mm, okay, uh, that doesn't sound like something God would tell you to do, or um, God hasn't told me to go disciple people, or go told me to to you know serve in the kids ministry, or to be a first impressions volunteer. God hasn't told me to do that yet, and so I'm just not going to do anything. The amount of time that we blame God for our own sinful commission or omission sins is insane. It totally is. Totally is. And so, uh, guys, today what we're going to do, if you listen to the last podcast, we indicated that we are going to move into a time of uh, kind of a series of episodes dealing with politics, sort Hmm. of, sort of, sort of. We are going to work through the book Christians in the Age of Outrage by Ed Stetzer. Okay, so we did this a year ago and well, has to be, everything seems like it was just recently because of COVID. Yeah. But so it's I mean, one it was, of the books our elder team read yeah. through and discussed. Yeah. By the time when this episode drops, it's slated to drop on October the 6th. And so we are now, if you're listening to this on the day it drops, we are less than a month away from election day, from the most important election of our ni- lifetime, five weeks away, five weeks from today. If you're listening to this on the day it drops Tuesday, yeah. October 6th, we are five weeks away from the presidential election and things have already been insane for where we are right now. I can't imagine where they're going to be in three weeks. I cannot imagine where they are going to be on election day at a campground. It'll be intense. So here, so (sighs) yeah. And, and here's the, the disclaimer in all of this. Mm. Um, and, and I am in the process of uh, putting together a sermon series right. that uses this book as a basis. Um, thank you to Ed Stetzer, who I'm sure is not listening, but he gave you don't us, know that. Yeah, he gave me permission to uh, use his book uh, as the basis of the the sermon series. And um, to, to be clear, as a disclaimer, this is not a conversation in the sermon series or this is has no intention of fixing society or right. even discussing how we can fix society. 
this, like the title of the book, Christians in the Age of Outrage, does two things. Number one, identifies that we are in an outrageous time filled with rage of, of in all areas of society. And so then how do we as Christians react and deal and minister in this society and in this reality. So again, this does not put a dent in or, or a dent in how to change the world. It, it puts a dent in how do we change our own ministry and right. the way we interact. Yeah. Cause this is a really critical time Yeah, and the world is so insane. It needs the church to act like the church and it does not need the church acting like the world. Sure. And so how do we do that? So if you're tuning in going, Oh, these guys are going to tell me how to vote wrong. No, like that's not going to, that's not going to be what's happening, but we do have a lot of ground to cover. I anticipate this episode being a little longer mm-hmm. uh, than what we would normally do. But then at the same time, I also want to say if politics, if the reality is there are a lot of people who are engaging in politics uh, and just filling their minds with it and it can become toxic. If you're mm. one of those people whose attitudes have been just impacted every time you turn on the news or something, we invite you and in, 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 in all love to turn the episode off. Like you don't have to engage with like, give yourself a break from it. Okay. I know you're like, Oh, I got to hear these guys talk about it. Now we're going to do the very best we can to try to pastor through that. One of the things I thought was interesting, uh, I wanted to bring this up a couple weeks ago, but recently Mark Zuckerberg made the comment that Facebook is the new church, that that's the place we go now to commune with people. I mean, he, and I don't fully disagree. I don't either. I mean, I disagree some, but I mean, Zuckerberg in his own understanding of what church is, right. Church is a loaded term, right? But totally what the church should be. Facebook is too often becoming right. And the reality is as pastors, we are now forced into a position that we have to pastor online. Uh, And I'm not talking about because of COVID. I'm talking about life is being lived out in social media. As pastors, we have to speak into that now. Mm. And please hear us when we say, we don't want to do that. (laughs) We don't. We don't want to talk about like like these things. We, We don't. We would... Social media can be so impersonal, so cold and distant. There's so many arguments. Like when you're face to face with people, we don't want to have to pastor on Facebook. I realize you're older than me, but talking about that subject and what you're just saying makes me feel really old because I yearn for the, I yearn for the good old days Yeah, when we didn't have any of this nonsense. Right. Yeah. When we actually had to deal with each other. And then here's the thing. Face to face. As we talk about politics and when, whenever the church starts to get into politics, there will be people who inevitably will say, stop talking about politics, Mm -hmm. just preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. We would love to do that. Mm -hmm. We don't want to talk about politics, but Mm -hmm. politics has infected the church and now we have to deal with it. And so that's where we're going to do a four week discussion on the book, Christians in the age of outrage. If you have not gotten it yet, we highly suggest you pick it up. It is full of incredible information. I don't know how we're going to get through all this in four weeks. And then we're going to have a special episode on election day. (laughs) You, right. can, you can listen on the way to your polling on, place. On the way to your polling place. Yeah. You can you can turn it on, and we're just going to sing happy songs to you, okay? So yeah. that's what is coming. And so today we're going to talk about being in a contentious season when even Christians, and I'm, I'm, that's kind of a loaded term, even when Christians are calling for civil war. Well, I, I don't get that. Yeah. How do we as Christians navigate through this. And what I want to ask you guys who are listening on the front end is to please give us grace because we're not going to say everything right. If there's something you disagree with, mm-hmm. you 
goodchristianpod at gmail.com. We would love to have the conversation with you, but please understand we love you and we want the best for you. And we pray that you would give us the benefit of the doubt and we would be able to have these conversations because we're not going to say everything. But to be perfectly. clear, our point here is not to convince anyone, uh, or excuse me, is not to convince everyone. Correct. Um, we fully expect a plurality of ideas, sure. but we're hoping that we might be able to just share a little bit of wisdom from first Mr. Ed Stetzer and then us and our reaction to the book and just some of the realities and the statistics and the points that he gives. Yep. And then maybe you're one of those people who feels kind of politically homeless and you don't really know, like, why is the church not really speaking about things in a way that tends to align with the Bible. Our desire is to try to align with the Bible, mm. you know, as best we can, as best we know how. And so just to get into the conversation, uh, Tim, what are the difficulties with pastoring during this specific time? <laughs> <laughs> we kind of handled some of that already. It's campground. It's uh, yeah, intense. it's intense. Mm. Sure. Um, well, the difficulties are, as Zuckerberg would say, Facebook is the new quote church. And again, he's using the term lightly there, but, um, I mean, church used to be the place where Christians gathered. We we yeah. are the called out ecclesia. The ecclesia, in some translations, is the gathering. And so, when we would gather, we would come together. And number one, first and foremost, we would worship, and we would, you know, all the things that are necessary. We would uh, sing spiritual songs, and we would spurn each other on towards good works and disciple each other. All these different things. We would uh, study the scripture. But now, uh, first and foremost. COVID has put a wrinkle in that. Sure. And so very way, many ways we're virtual and we're spread out and we're decentralized, which is not a bad thing that the church would be decentralized because we're not a building, but we're also, um, the, the Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, don't neglect the assembly of the saints. That's not under a building. That's an assembly. Right. And right now too many of us are only assembling through YouTube or through Facebook. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of has become a separate type of church. And in the midst of this forum in YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and all of these different places, we're not meeting quite honestly in a safe haven that a steeple and four walls can give you. Uh, very often that's, that's what Sunday is. It's kind of a, mm. you, you get away from the chaos of the world and you come into a safe haven and where you can block out the bad and focus only in on the good and the glory of the Lord. And now we don't have that. And so, uh, if, if, if I thought that people were tempted to pick up their cell phones when they were actually in the pews listening to my messages, uh, I would be, <laughs> I'd, I'd be absolutely insane to think that people aren't more distracted now while they're sitting on their couch with the, you know, my face up on their screen yeah. and they've got their cell phone. I, are they even paying attention to anything at this point in time? Sure. So the connection that comes with the church that we're called to be a part of and that which blesses us and we're built for, we're missing it. And at the same time, we're not just missing it. We are we're, we're meeting instead in this outrageous forum that is filled with so many just outside ideas. That's, it's not even an outside idea. It's filled with so much rage, outrage yeah. that, that is out there. I mentioned this in the episode, I think with Hannigan, uh, where to when we're talking about the next gen, well, again, yeah, when we're talking about the next generation where it talked about how, the issues we're having right now mm -hmm. in the church mm -hmm. and that we are facing as pastors is that we pretty much, if you're a Christian and you're engaged in church, you're probably giving a week, uh, not a week, an hour or so per week mm -hmm. to church. And yet how much time is being filled with things on Facebook, with things on Twitter, the oh, at least an there. hour a day and the fake news, at least. right? 
the news from all over that is just coming in. Right. And when I say fake news, I did air quotes. I realized that you can't see those, uh, that the news and just the anger that is just coming out of there, that people now are being discipled by the media. Yes. And so as pastors, yes. we're going, you want us to fix what, and this sounds terrible, but you want to fix a problem that you're kind of creating yourself, which yep. is you are paying attention to things and then going, I don't understand why the world's this way. Well, first turn off the TV. Yeah. Watch what happens. Yeah. So the, it, it, the, many people have Tucker Carlson as a mm-hmm. pastor. Many people have Rachel Maddow as a pastor mm-hmm. and all of the other different voices that yeah. are in between. Um, it's not new. Uh, I mean, you know, the radio has been discipling and pastoring people for a long time from Rush yeah. to other voices that have been going on for decades. But now, right, you're saying, so I get 35 minutes uh, to be able to impart wisdom from the scripture and the, the people walk away from my sermon then spending 35 hours possibly right. with Fox News or with MSNBC up on their screen constantly yeah. with people pushing a different ideology than the scripture. Yep. Whether people want to agree with it or not, fair and balance, whether you figure it's, you know, fair and balance is a right or left and whoever your media outlet is, they have an ideology that is not from the scripture yeah. at all. I mean, there's it's tinged left and right, but the left is not uh, a scriptural point of view. The right is not a scriptural point of view. The scripture transcends all of it, and we only just have political parties that kind of come under the umbrella and pick and choose what they want. But the eternal scripture is something that right now all we're doing is we're getting a not even an appetizer. Right. <laughs> I mean, we're we're getting like a, a lifesaver. You right. know, like a, a little little lifesaver mitt. We just kind of take a little bit of that. That'll save my life, and I'm just going to go on and live the rest of my life and 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 consume everything else. And then I'll come back next week, and you can give me a lifesaver. Man, there's a lot of uh, you, that'll preach. You can get a lifesaver, <laughs> and then it'll make me feel better about none you know, of the disgusting right. breath that I've spewed out all of this nonsense sure. the rest of the week. And so now I'm going to feel better, and then I'll go out and do it again. Hey, give me a the media is designed to keep us watching, right? Like, like they want you to continue to tune in and never change the channel. And so they mm-hmm. have to do whatever it takes to get you to continue to watch. So I've, I've said this before, the media no longer informs the media insights. Right. And so you need to understand that if you are watching, if you are locked into one brand of news, mm-hmm. every single brand, whatever your brand is, they have a bias, they have a message, they have a platform that they want you to embrace, that it is a position that they're coming from. To say that the other side is slanted one way, 100%, yes, they are. And to be clear, I, as a pastor of the gospel who stand up with the scripture in hand every single Sunday, I have a bias. Yep. I have an agenda. I want you to believe my point of view. It just happens that my point of view is comes straight from the word of God. And so I'm glad you said that because here's what I want, I, I, I want to acknowledge again. Everyone that you listen to Mm -hmm. has a bias and an agenda and an agenda. You need to figure out what that is. They're not inherently wrong or or bad. Biases and agendas are, it's just reality. And so what we want to do is we're going to do something right now that most media outlets are not going to do. We are going to tell you exactly where we are coming from, Uh right? Like this is probably not a great idea for pastors to do, but this whole podcast is about messing things up and, and moving forward. What I like to take a few minutes to do, since we're going to be talking about how to engage in the political arena as mm. Christians, I think it would be fair that we expose where we come from. <laughs> Great. Who and goes, who's going first? 
paper, rock, scissors for it. All right, let's do it. All right. One, one three, shoot. two, three, shoot. One, two, two three, three, shoot. You go first. Okay. I won the yeah. second, yeah, the your, second time. Your, your uh, scissors to my paper. Yeah. All right. I don't, I don't know how much I should share. Um, I, I tell people this from the pulpit. I am a uh, self-proclaimed political agnostic. Mm. Um, meaning, you know, as an agnostic in a, in a religious term, does not know if there is a God or does not, you know, just proclaims to say, I don't know, it's unknowable. And so I'm just going to live my life in an unknowable way and just let other people do what they want to do. That's kind of how I am politically. Yeah. Political agnostic. I don't really know all the right answers. And so I'm just going to let everybody else argue it out. And quite honestly, they're arguing it out pretty loudly. Um, I mean, in all fair and, and, and just exposure, as you mentioned, uh, I am a registered unaffiliate. Uh, I'm unaffiliated with no political party home. I was prior to 2016 a registered Republican. And after 2016, in the midst of the age of outrage and everything that I saw going on, uh, and in the midst of me not voting for either of the two major candidates, but voting third party, I said, you know what, I just, for some reason, because the word Republican and the word Democrat are now so charged, Mm -hmm. and if anybody asks me, are you a Democrat or Republican, I want to be able to have an answer, and I don't Mm -hmm. want to be able to say it's not none of your business, or I don't want it to affect anything uh, of my platform. My platform is a pulpit, not a policy or politics, Um, and so I just unaffiliated, and so I, uh, I found a lot of freedom in that. Um, but at the, at the other, at the end of the day, um, you know, that, that doesn't allow me to be able to vote in primaries and all these different right. things, which, you know, I, I feel sometimes when everybody else is going out, exercising their, their right. Um, I can't do it because I don't have any candidates to vote for and all that kind of stuff. Um, but sometimes I just, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like as I have pulled away from the political realm, I wonder and this is just me being really honest. I wonder if I have overreacted to the nonsense and I wonder if Mm. I should um, engage a little bit more in love from a biblical platform. But right now uh, there's so much of it is just so much noise. I'm so tired of it. And I would rather people just pay attention to the pulpit platform that I have, as opposed to me trying to create a secondary platform. Sure. So that's, that's who and where I am. Yeah. Oh, and how has that, how has that changed over time? Like I said, I, I was registered in that way and I, I, um, in, in a Republican way. And I, I remember the, the, the elections with W, um, you mm-hmm. know, President Bush too. Um, I remember being super engaged in those. Yeah. I remember going to, uh, at a friend of ours house, a, uh, you know, election results party went yeah. over there and we were, we were into it, man. It was like, he was the only friend that I knew that had a, a big screen TV and we were watching all those red and blue coming in. We were cheering for every single one of them. And, and yep. you know, and again, somehow 2000 and 2004, they were the most important elections of our lifetime. Right. And somehow it just, it, it continued. History continues to re- repeat itself. So now, um, quite honestly, in 2016, uh, I woke up and checked the news in the morning to find out who won. I didn't pay any attention to it. I just didn't. So that's where I am. And in 2020, I'm not going to pay attention on it. Yeah. So my favorite, one of my favorite sitcoms, uh, community, uh, called Agnostics, the Lazy Man's Atheist. Yeah. So very good. Um, I'm somewhat similar. I'm a little more engaged than you are. I am an affiliated Republican, right? And the reason for that is so I can vote in primaries. Sure. Uh, because I believe we got it so woefully wrong in 2016 uh, or, or leading up to, to that time. So I grew up in a Christian home, conservative we listened to Rush. We followed the the news, you know. And and I remember during my formative years mm-hmm. of understanding politics, Bill Clinton was the worst thing 
that has ever happened to the presidency. The way that he took that office, the, the, the position, and then just absolutely just brought it down. You know, it's a total lack of respect for it. I remember the father of one of our friends growing up who I assume is politically conservative as well. He said this, Bill Clinton, I remember this. I was like a you know, teenager. And he said, Bill Clinton was the worst president we've ever had, but man, did he make me money in his 401k. That's, made me money. Yeah. Well, all right. Voter pocketbook. There it is. And I remember going through the whole, every scandal that he went through and, and whatever, and just how it would it just, it was hammered home. Character matters. Yep. Right. That, that, that there is a moral responsibility that a, that a president has. Now I've heard so many people in since 2016 say, well, I'm not electing a pastor. I'm electing a president. Mm-hmm. Sure. I've heard that. Okay. Like I understand that. Yes. No one's going to be perfect. I understand, but there is a minimum standard. And it, from my understanding was Bill Clinton did not meet that standard. Okay. Subpar. I would agree with that statement. Okay. And so in 2000, when I could vote for the first time, I remember voting for President Bush. And I and when that, that, that night when there was the hanging chads and all it was, I watched for hours late into the night. And I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm ashamed of this, but I remember kneeling on the floor begging God to make President Bush our president, George oh, wow. Bush our president. I no. remember praying and going, God, this is what you want for America. Oh. This is what you know, we need, we need you to let those chads fall down. Right. Like, I mean, like it was intense and I was, I was like that for a number. I got into a number of arguments, a number of fights. I just, you know, honestly, I was like, God is on the side of the Republicans. Is Jesus a Republican? No, but he probably would primary with us. And so (laughs) then, and then I caucus at least. Yeah, exactly. And then (laughs) I remember in 2012, I remember when President Obama was reelected that night, I had such a sense of despair and there was something in me that broke that night. And I'm so grateful to God that it broke because what ended up happening was I, it was like, God said to me, you have made this an idol. Like this has become something that is so not related to the gospel at all. And you have, you have elevated it to this importance mm. and you have forsaken the call that I've given to you. You are mm. not acting like someone who, and I went, you are so right. Like I have treated people in a, in a terrible way. I have, I mean, not, I'm, I wasn't like name calling and stuff, but I mean, just, I knew that I was angry at people. If, if they disagreed with me, I felt like they were stupid, you know, and uh, I just, and that night, I'm so grateful to God. That I remember mm. specifically, I was painting the house like that that night and going through the whole ordeal, watching it happen and going, my whole life is crumbling. And Jesus was like, really, is it? Is that really what's happening to you right now? And so what has happened in the way that I've changed over time is that I would label myself a compassionate Christian conservative. Christian first, conservative next. Compassionate first. Com- well, Christian and identity, compassionate Got is an it. adjective because I see a number of Christian conservatives and who might not be com- all not that compassionate. So much. And it. so to me, I try to lace that and, and look at some things. So there are like, I have family members who have labeled me as a liberal. Mm-hmm. I've been called a liberal because mm-hmm. I have not totally, uh, because I've, I've used the term black lives matter and I don't embrace president Trump's brand of politics mm-hmm. that I am critical of the right. Mm. 
And then I've also had uh, family members call me ultra conservative mm-hmm. because I have said, wait a second, if President Trump was a Democrat, the things that he has said and that he has done would have Republicans running up the walls, screaming bloody murder, because that's what we did. And so I, for me, I haven't changed in the sense of I'm politically still affiliated the same way. I yeah. just watched the party that I had been a part of move to a weird branch of Republicanism uh, in which character no longer matters. And so I know so, we've used this before. We, you, you and I kind of feel like political orphans, if you will. 100%. Yeah. Homeless. And so we we wanted to kind of lay that out on the table because you're going to hear us say some things and, and, and understand that what we we are probably, I would imagine that most of our audience is probably on the right. I don't know. I mean, it's it because if, if our, if our, at least currently, if the circle that we are traveling in and, and we are working through are the ones who are listening, then that that's kind of where a majority of them are. And so there will be the tendency. You kind of guaranteed that by naming the podcast, good Christian people. But anyway, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, I, there might be some good Christian people who are, who are on the left. I oh, mean, for sure. No, no one's ever met any. Yeah, I'm okay. kidding. That is a, that yeah. is, let's, let's walk that back. That. Walk I don't have to back. apologize walk for that. It was it a back. joke. Oh man. And we are about 45, 50 minutes into this podcast and we haven't even gotten into what we need to talk about today, but I feel like it's important that we lay that out on the table so that you understand. And if you go, Hey, listen, not my cup of tea. I'm out. Totally good. We will see you, uh, the second episode in November. We would love to, uh, but, but if you're still with us and you're still like, Oh, all right, let's see where these guys go. We're going to jump into it. We are going to talk about the first two chapters of Christians in the Age of Outrage. Again, we would recommend you get this book. Great book. Uh, there are so many good, like it, it's going to talk about some things that are hard to hear. It's going to present some statistics. It's going to challenge us. And then the second half of the book is the positive side. It's the, here's the problem. Now here are some solutions. Here's how we're going to engage. And our goal is to try to cover all of it. And so today we wanted to hit four or five things that really came out of this book, uh, particularly in the first two chapters. Okay. The first thing that we need to address, there are four groups that Ed Stetzer is talking about in his book, right? When he is, he is, uh, affiliated with Lifeway, the Billy Graham, um, association. And so he does a lot of research. And mm-hmm. so people who are going to go, this is fake news. I mean, this is coming from Lifeway and the <laughs> Billy Graham Institute. So if you're going to go, oh, I don't believe these stats. Okay. But understand this is legit. Yeah. Okay, don't right? pay attention to your Sunday school material. Right, then. Exactly. So there are four groups that he identifies here in our culture. Okay. So the, it, it's pretty easy to, to break it out. One, it's just non-Christians. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you have three, you have a breakdown of three different types of Christians. If you want to see a chart on it that we're going to talk about, it's actually on page 28 of the book. You like, and of course, <laughs> provided you're using the same book. Uh, if you buy it on Kindle, I don't know what it's on. Uh, maybe it's still on page 28, but there's this chart where he shows four different groups. There's a non-Christians. And then you have cultural Christians and cultural Christians are those that basically have just said, I'm my family has historically been Christian. I don't actually attend. I'm not engaged in anything, but yeah, I'm a Christian. Sure. I'm a Christian because I grew up in a Christian nation. Number two are the congregational Christians. Those are the people who are what we call CEOs, Christian, I mean, Christmas and Easter onlys, Mm -hmm. right? Like they show up for funerals. They show up. And then you have the convictional Christians. These are the Christians who say, you know what? I, they would probably be on the side of evangelicalism. We, we hold to basic tenets of scripture. 
that we believe in Jesus, we allow that to impact our faith, and we are engaged in telling people about Jesus. Okay, so there's a four groups, and what I thought was absolutely fascinating is that Stetzer shows in his book that there used to be a cultural divide between non-Christians and then all of the other Christians. Right. But where we are now and where things are headed is that the, the divide has actually grown and it's in between cultural, I'm sorry, congregational Christians and convictional Christians. Right. Meaning that most of society has grown more secular except for convictional Christians people who are who really hold to the tenets of their faith that right now what has happened is that Christians all used to be on one team now some of us we didn't play very hard but others of us were on the field all the time but we were all one big team and we were playing against the non-christians and now what has happened is that two-thirds of the Christian team have now joined the secular squad so in other words you've got in the past, the people who were not of the Christian faith in our society, mm-hmm. in the United States of America, they were the outliers. Right. And then you had the, you know, the, the, the everyday church going, the people who, you know, they're actually, you know, 100% saved. And right. then you had the people who were kind of in around, but they still kind of thought, they still had the same amount of morals and ethics and all that kind of stuff. And so you, you had all of the nominal Christians and then the real Christians, because right. what's a nominal Christian? It's not a Christian. Anyway, right. so you have the, the nominal and all of those kind of gray area people. They still thought the same way as mm-hmm. the people who still went to church every single Sunday. Right. But now the and the outliers are no longer the non-Christians. But those nominal people, even the people who come on Christmas and Easter only, now think like the non-Christians Correct. do in terms of morals and ethics and all of those different things. So now the outliers are the convictional, and he uses that term, convictional Christians, which truly, technically, are the only Christians on right. this whole right. uh, scale. So it's only the people who are now actually. Uh, on the team and unafraid to say that they're on the team and unafraid to say we're going to stand on biblical values. Biblical values uh, get you beat up in society nowadays. Sure. I mean, try talking about sexuality, marriage. Sure. Try talking about gender. Try talking about any of that. It, it, the, 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 um, the divide now, as he mentions, which I absolutely identify with and see easily in my life, uh, is with the convictional Christians now for sure. And so where we so what has happened is that the the two groups in the middle, basically the nominal Christians, have just switched teams. Mm-hmm. And and before it used to be as as a convictional Christian, we'll just call them Christians. All right, we used to look around and go, oh man, our team is really big. Like we have, we are the majority in our culture. We were the majority. We were. Well, at least because we had enough people on the team. And then all of a sudden we started doing a head count and realized, wait a second, they play for that team. Mm-hmm. And now we are in the minority. Mm-hmm. In fact, Stetzer says in the book that each year there is a 1% drop in people identifying as Christians. Yep. 1% every year of saying, yeah, you know what? Never mind. I'm quitting this team and I'm joining the secular squad. Um, convictional Christians are really the only ones that are holding strong into, in, into faith. Um, that's not a judgment on anybody or anything. It's just to kind of lay the groundwork for where we are and the issues that are coming out yeah. of this. And I, and I find what's what I find interesting in here with the, the stats and, and the, um, the facts that are in, 
um, is that con- the number of convictional Christians, the number of real Christians has kind of stayed the same. Right. The only people who are moving and dropping towards the nuns or the non-religious are the people who really weren't on the team in the first place. Correct. I mean, scripture would kind of talk this like separating the wheat from the chaff, right? Sure. Uh, and now when, when you get to the point you're separating, there is... Uh, there, there's some good in that because now you know who's actually on the team. You, you, now you don't have to inflate yourself in your own pride and ego saying, look at all the people that are on our team. We're in the majority and we're doing this and we're a Christian nation. Anyway, um, and so now we, we know that real convictional Christians are in the minority. Now all of a sudden we realize, oh, there is something to Jesus's statement. Narrow is the gate and narrow yeah. is the road that leads to life and broad is the gate and broad is the road that yeah. leads to destruction. I, I think um, we, we didn't understand that before because we felt like everybody was on our team. Right. Now we look over and the weed is being separated from the chaff and all of a sudden we are the outliers and that there's a blessing. But in the midst of the blessing, the whole point of this book is in the midst of, of the Christian culture, it has not... Um, it is not raised up people going, Oh, now we know who's on the team and there's blessing in that. Now there's growing this outrage and this anger because we've said, wait a minute, the world is changing and culture is shifting. Now all of a sudden when we speak, people don't listen. In fact, now when we see, when we speak, they call it hate and they tell us that we're being, you know, uh, being dealing, we're, we're basing our beliefs on an ancient document that doesn't apply to 2020 and all of these different things. And it, it grows anger in the life of a Christian. And Absolutely. what we're talking about over the next five weeks is uh, it might, uh, we, we think it should grow sadness, possibly. There should be a mourning there. But anger is the wrong response. Absolutely. And to be clear, Jesus told us this was going to happen. Wait a minute. Jesus told us you're going to be the in the minority following me. They're going to hate you. What Jesus said, I mean, you're going to be persecuted for what you believe. And as Americans who have enjoyed the comfort of being in power mm. and having the authority, we've been like, <laughs> not here, Jesus. We're God's blessed nation. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, we shouldn't have to deal with these kind of things. Jesus, what you're saying is silly talk. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, no, I knew what I was saying. Stetzer mm-hmm. says this, and it's exactly what we're talking about. Convictional Christianity has incrementally split from the mainstream of Western culture. This has provoked anger among some Christians. Yeah. Since their values and practices shaped culture for so long, they had the impression that they own the culture in some sense. These Christians want their country back, and by that, they mean they want their cultural power back Mm. and the anger can lead to hostility against those that they believe have taken it. And, and it goes on to say that, you know, there's the fear that the trend will continue, that it's basically saying, wait a second, we used to be in power. Now we don't have as much. And I think it's not going to get better. Like Jesus said, and that makes me angry. I don't like that way that feels. Yeah, it's like we feel like we've just been mugged and left on the mm-hmm. side of the road for the Samaritan to come pick us up. And we act like, wait a minute, we lost our shirt, we lost our dignity, we lost all this kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is, most of that was inflated and most of it wasn't quite real in the first place. Yeah, it was fake. Yeah. It was a mirage. And then, and this won't sit well with some people, but let's just read it. He said here on page 10, President Trump's election is a reminder that cultural Christianity remains a potent force in American politics as he rallied many self-identified Christians who felt marginalized in this new cultural moment that Trump figured out these guys feel like they are losing their power, losing their country. And so I will address that by saying, let's make America great again. 
Let's take back the country. Let's make it what it once was. Mm. Not realizing the country wasn't always great for everybody. Sure. Now, the, America is an amazing country. We love it. We're, we're not we're not dumping on it. Sure. But what we are saying is, just like this podcast, we have areas in which we can get better and we can fix things. Sure. And, and, and so there was just kind of the sense of let's play on that fear and let's rally the Christians to say, and he's saying it now, even more so like in, in ways that are just absolutely insane. When he made the comment about if you, if Joe Biden wins, it's going to hurt God. It's going, you're not going to be allowed to have your Bibles when he said it's going to hurt God. I missed I'm like, that. Yeah. You didn't. Oh, to man. be, to be clear, uh, strategically, uh, in the strategery of politics, <laughs> That um, that strategy and that rhetoric was brilliant. 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 It won he him knows how the to presidency. Play the game. Yep. Um, but to be fair, is what I see now in 2020 from both the Biden and the Trump campaign are the exact same rhetoric. Yeah. Now, if you basically boil down everything that I hear, you boil down what both sides are saying is, if I do not win this election, your world will fundamentally change for the worse. Right. Like your world, like you will not be able to get back what you have right now. Both right. sides are still saying that, right. playing to the fear, playing just it's fear mongering on yeah. both sides. And, and, and again, I, I, yes, certainly Trump is doing that, but I hear the same thing from the Biden campaign. So, um, one of the as we're talking about the anger that we should not have that we see now um, in 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 the lives of Christians, um, if I can find it again here, there was a, a quote in here that I really enjoyed from Stetzer, who basically said that uh, responding with anger, um, excuse me, it, said, it is easier to be angry and to be pithy than it is to be Christ-like and on mission. Yep. It's easier just to shoot from the hip and to throw out some venom than to say, you know what, I'm going to stand up in the mess and I'm going to walk the narrow road. I'm going to walk through the narrow gate and I'm going to do the Christ-like thing that's going to cost me. I'm going to suffer for it. Uh, okay, I'm not going to do that. Let's just be angry and pithy. And so this brings to the the next thing I know you wanted to talk about, where with this this loss of power and authority in our culture, and we hear that you know make America great again, or let's take back our country, and the different things that he says. Um, what, what's the Christian response to that? In your thought? So, as you have said in the past, the response to that would be this wasn't our country to begin with, in terms of having a a theocracy, right? Right? Like America is is not Israel. Yes, right. there are and some biblical ethics and morals that we were based on, absolutely. built on, and we should strive to to adhere to. But there 100%. was a separation of church and state from the very beginning, right? Thankfully, a separation of church and state. Yeah, yeah. and so what? So okay, so there is a shift in the culture in which convictional Christians are are being marginalized, not even marginalized, but we're the minority. We're yeah. realizing what has happened, and and let's be honest, that is a. F- fault of the church. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if, if the church had spent its time living out the great commission and doing, we would, we might have bigger numbers, right? And I'm not, I'm not, that sounds terrible, but the reality is we have always been in the minority as convictional Christians. And Jesus told us this was going to happen. So I don't know why we're acting surprised by it, or do we just not believe what Jesus was saying or that Jesus didn't understand what he was talking about there. And so in those moments of understanding I am now in the minority or I recognize it. And this makes, I've lost my power and it's not so much. I want everybody. It's a sense of, I want to get back the comfort that I had where everybody believed what I believed because that felt good to me. Yeah. 
And when we realize we lost that, then we get into what Stetzer and many others are talking about these days, which is tribalism. Mm. So I was going to bring this up last week in the, the, it, uh, the episode on Good the Good Samaritan. Thank mm-hmm. you. Where David French in a time article just put out last week, talked about American political division. The, the article was called America is being pulled apart. And he said that the division is rooted in what Bill Bishop, he wrote a book and it's called the big sort. The okay. division is through self segregation that we have these groups, these communities, churches, our news, our media, and that the laws of group polarization really indicate that people who agree with each other grow more enthusiastic in their beliefs as they clump together. Okay. And that in, as we stay together in our little huddles, whether secular or Christian, we become more extreme. It becomes more a sense of um, let, let, let's get riled up together. Let, let's think about this. And what Stetzer is talking about is that we huddle with those who we agree with. And it can be good. Sure. There's definite, I mean, there, there's upsides to that. Absolutely. There's family, there's community. That is a good thing. Gathering of the church. But it also has a dark side. Yep. That cultivating devotion to an objective in a group is usually an ex- at the expense of the other side. Hmm. Okay. And so we get together and we don't just say, Hey, we're the good guys. We turn around and say, Hey, those guys are the bad guys. And it turns into, and this is where I, I, I get so frustrated at what I've seen happen with the, I guess the Christian right. Right. So we, we, we talk often about how we like to, it, it's very easy to criticize the other side. I'm not super interested in criticizing the other side. Well, let, let's fix ourselves. And we are it's now scriptural. no longer just demonizing people, but it leads us to excusing the wrong behavior in our own camp. Yeah. Right. So we don't just say, Hey, those guys, whichever side you're on, if you're on the left, you're doing this on the right. Probably if you're on the right, you're doing this on the left. If you're in the middle, if you're an independent, you're an agnostic like Tim, you're looking at both sides of both. You're both idiots. Nobody protests their own sins. Exactly. And so we now in fear and, and outrage, we rally an army to go to war against the other side and we don't look like ourselves anymore. I wrote, I pulled out this, this quote just absolutely kills me. Verse <laughs> said verse like this is the Bible. This is not the Bible, right? Jeez. Page 15. When we become primarily identified with any tribe outside the body of Christ, especially when we are identified to the point where others are repelled by us, we've traded our kingdom based identity for a world based identity. Mm. It's burning a bridge It's building a wall. The most damaging example of Christians at their worst is when someone claims a kingdom-based identity but pursues some world-based end, trying to use Christianity to achieve political, economic, or social objectives only increases the outrage directed towards us. And that's, um, you know, I'm not here to say that everyone needs to follow my path, but that was my personal conviction. That's why I unregistered. Yeah. uh, Because too many people feel the weighted words of Republican or Democrat and I just didn't want either of those labels. Yeah. I didn't want that to get in the way of my ability to have a pulpit platform. Well, and and too often we don't see either side criticizing themselves. No. Right? It's it's criticizing the other. Yeah. And so we have to on our on our sides take a take a look and say, guys, where are we not doing the right things? Mm-hmm. You know, and and so then we begin to excuse the sin. I've seen this on the right where the things that that uh, Trump has done if he was Clinton, Republicans would flip out. And yet the, 
the statement I hear now is, is so often, and not just in this regard, but to say, well, the Democrats did it first. Or the Democrats say, well, the Republicans did it first. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Take the issue of immigration. I don't know if we've talked about this, but maybe we did on the last episode, and I'm completely forgetting. But when this whole thing came out about them having camps and, and cages. cages and things like that, the statement on the right, well, the statement on the left was, this is wrong, it should never have happened. And the people on the right said, well, wait a second, Obama did it first. Where were you then? And then both sides are going, well, the, the, It really sounds like a schoolyard, doesn't it? It's so stupid. And it comes down to, is it wrong or is it not wrong? And if it's wrong, then it's wrong, whichever side is doing it. If it's not wrong, then, you know, and, and, and so it's just this hypocrisy that I get, I just get so tired of because I don't know, I'm going to start yelling like I did last week, but we embrace hypocrisy and we lower our standards for our own team and then we wonder why people don't take us seriously. Nobody protests their own sins. Nobody protests their own sins. Let's um, keep moving. Yeah, so Stetzer also... <laughs> already depressed and it's the first episode. Stetzer also mentions Christians who have hurt our witness by being quick to uh, believe things that turned out to be severely mm. false. Uh, there's, you know, I think scripture calls us to be like Bereans and to actually, you know, search for ourselves. And I think the same thing should be put in place for our social media shares. I mean, real data oh, has man. shown that Russian bots have tapped into the gullibility of Christians, no less Christians, yep. uh, to affect thought and to affect even voting. And that hurts, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, obviously the Christ, upholds the faith of a child and i think some people have stopped at the childhood faith yeah and have you know well i'm good i i I know my abc i don't need to know all the way up to xyz and uh, i mean if if nothing else christians should be the the people who are the most excited to be the most intellectual because the more we learn the more we learn, the more we learn about the creation of God mm. and how he created everything and how he structured it all and how he all meant it to be instead of just taking somebody else's word for it. I mean, I often say from the pulpit, go home, read this passage, yeah. study it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Like I'm going to start crying like that, like that. I'm not really going to start crying, but like that, that is what we need to hear. That was a thing. And and so the first three things we talked about, which was uh, the the breakdown and cultural shift, the Power and, uh, the power and authority and the tribalism, those are all connected. But the one thing that just really was just a gut punch to me, and it just makes me so sad, is how much there is a need for Christians to discipline our minds and to think more critically. To not, like as Christians, we should be the most rational, disciplined, clear-minded uh, people looking for information, using wisdom. In his book, Stetcher quotes Mark Knoll, a professor at Notre Dame, and he talks about the reputation that Christians have, the evangelicals have for anti-intellectualism. And he wrote a book called The Scandal of the Evangelical Mind. And he says, mm. the scandal of the evangelical mind is that there is not much of an evangelical mind. That he applauds our virtues of charity, our evangelistic zeal, our community building. But he warns a significant long-term risk for damage when we neglect our intellectual life. That when it, the the fact that it hurts our witness Mm -hmm. and it makes us look stupid Mm -hmm. when we are just a group of easily fooled, angry people. Well, and when we show that we can be easily fooled, that absolutely tarnishes our witness because then people just say, Oh, well, this whole Jesus mass 
It's just a bunch of easily fooled people right. who are believing a fairy tale from 2,000 years ago. Why should I take you seriously if this is what you believe? Yeah. If, if what you believe and what you put forth uh, is intellectually wrong, what yeah. that means is you do not have a habit of doing your own research yeah. and making sure that you are informed with truth. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, there's so much in that to unpack, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of this book and uh, going through for sure. Um, and uh, again, we can't recommend this book enough to be able to pick it up. Um, so Josie has not had a microphone yeah. this entire time, but he has an iPad. He wrote fact checking can also be used as a weapon, forcing the other side to provide proof while blindly accepting your own. Mm. Yeah. Who needs a microphone when you have an iPad? Yeah. No, I mean, we maybe we'll give you one, but that that's the thing is that when something, let's just talk about social media. Cause there's a whole chapter on social media that we haven't even gotten into. <laughs> we're, we're not going to be able to, um, because of time, but on social media, there's this thing where if I see something that disagrees with me, I will go fact check that thing. But if I'm going to share something that reinforces what I believe, no matter the source, no matter how insane it, 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 it will come from. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I'm not going to look into that. And I'm going, could we not take that approach to everything in our lives to go, what is truth and what isn't? Is this wise? Is this let's not just hide behind this whole thing of fake news and anything that I disagree with is not true. Yeah. Plan a plan A is to just get off of social media. That's plan yeah. a plan a is to get off a platform that is literally socially engineering your mind and is again, not informing, but inciting because we are the product of Facebook. Facebook makes money because our, we look at its product, yeah. excuse me, at its screens and our eyes are literally being sold to the highest bidder. So plan a is to get off of Facebook and social media and spend some time in the word that would actually be beneficial, I think, to Christians. Again, this whole discussion is not for everyone. This yeah. discussion is plainly and simply focused towards those of us who are believers. Um, so, yeah, plan A is to do that. Plan B is if you're going to spend the time, take the extra 30 seconds. Take the extra. You would not believe how many times I see something on Facebook and I just go, Snopes. Is this true? And then how immediately it's debunked. I got into trouble a couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, but Snopes is fake news, man. Yeah, exactly. You know that. Yeah, he's in bed with Bill Gates. Um, and <laughs> Soros. Soros, whoever. I don't know whoever Satan is today. Um, yeah, I got in trouble because I posted on Facebook a couple weeks back. Fake news? No, an article oh. from, I think it was from Ed Stetzer, about how gullibility, what was, I wish I could remember the title because it was really good. Uh, gullibility is not a spiritual gift. True. That is, that the idea is, Jesus is not stupid. We should not be stupid. And, and just saying, Ooh, this, this makes me feel something. So therefore I'm going to, I'm just going to put it out there. This reinforces what I believe. I found a voice that will say what I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. And I got, uh, I got crucified. It did not. Well, I didn't get crucified. I'll leave that to just people who really have to, um, well, let's move to the confession section. Let's I, do. I'll, I'll Thank you. you guys for hanging on this long. Because social media moves into my confession. Mm -hmm. um, be, because I'm kind of this agnostic and because I, you know, I, I would rather engage on gospel things. I have in the past sometimes dropped some social media bombs. And I, I'm not the type of person who wants to spend a, time, a ton of time on social media. And so just a confession of mine, uh, needing forgiveness for some people. Um, I know I have dropped some bombs in the room and then I've left. And yeah. I've come back to a hundred comments and people have been fighting in the midst of this post that I made, whatever, you know, or wherever it may be. And, uh, I, in some ways, uh, I have projected pride in that. 
um, like, hey, look at me. I have I didn't engage with the, but right. I'm the one who started it. Right. And you're um, a bomb thrower. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Especially, but I I enjoy bomb throwers when in face to face meetings more than anything, yeah, especially in our elder meetings. Yeah. Because we should all be spiritually mature men who can actually deal with the plurality of ideas and kind of work through an idea. So sometimes, yes, I do throw it out when we're in the midst, but uh, when I'm still in the room. But I definitely need to. Uh, ask for and ask for repent or I need to repent and ask for forgiveness of the times that I've thrown the bomb virtually online and then left and came back to a mess. Yeah. So at the beginning of this episode, I said I was going to have to confess for things I said, you know, at the beginning and at the end. And I, and I do. So last week I, I came, we almost discussed editing it out or going back and saying, Hey, do we clean this up a little bit? There was a, a, a moment where I got pretty, passionate about something that that is really an issue for me um what i've seen in culture more than not more than anything but but so frequently are christians who demean and dehumanize other people even just by calling them animals or thugs or just saying i'm gonna say horrible things about you and and that that really got me worked up i do not apologize for that uh i do not apologize for that statement i don't apologize for um, even how I said it if, it, if it came off hard, I haven't gone back and listened to it. I'm just going to sort of put it out there. Let it be what it is. But however, <laughs> following that, then I got off of my holy soapbox and then I got on my Jeff soapbox and the Jeff soapbox is, I just don't like when people call each other names. I think that's, you know, I, I think that is beneath us. I don't think that is healthy. I don't think that is wise or Christian. And I reference calling people Democrats and rat publicans and snowflakes and whatever and then I did it like in my, in my frustration, I just said, you sound stupid or like whatever. And, and I didn't even realize that I did it. And I'm so grateful that we have Josie here because as we walked out, I was kind of dealing with, man, did that, did that whole thing come off too hard? And he's like, the first part, no, it needed to be said. He said, but then you called people out for name calling and then you called people names. And I went, oh. so the Holy spirit spoke through our little buddy over here. It was one of those things. And and so, yeah, we had the conversation about, do we, do we edit that out? And, um, the answer to that is no, because uh, I want to be very honest. That is stuff that <laughs> just typed up. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, and, and so as we I, mentioned last week, we're all on the bad team. There's yeah, only one on yeah, the good team. We screw up yeah. often. And so I apologize for saying that. Um, I apologize for saying you're stupid or you sound stupid. I don't even know exactly how I said it, but it sounds like something I would say. Well, point taken. And I'm, I'm sorry that I called people snowflakes after saying, don't call people snowflakes. Yeah. Um, you that called was, the name, name callers. You called them name. I did. And that's not healthy and that's not right. Sure. And, uh, and if I'm going to be mad at people for saying, Hey, um, let's not be hypocrites. Then I, I can't, I can't do that. So, so we I end every it. single podcast talking about great Christian people. Yes. Again, we're all on the bad team here, but, um, uh, with basically recommendations as people to check out some stories to read, all that kind of stuff. People are doing it. Well, I, I want to recommend and just honor Russell Moore. Yeah. Um, Russell Moore is the president of the ERLC, the ethics and religious Liberty commission, which is a division of our Southern Baptist convention. Russell Moore also was not as famous until 2016 when President Trump or then uh, then candidate Trump tweeted about him. I actually looked up to the tweet, the tweet. Russell Moore, in the midst of all of the kind of the morality things that were coming out about Trump before the election, Russell Moore basically said, this is not okay. It wasn't okay with Clinton. It's not okay with Trump. Right. And Trump, I, I went back to 2016 and got his... Um, 
got his tweet. He said, Russell Moore is a terrible, is a truly terrible representative, representative, sorry, let me start over. Russell Moore is a truly terrible representative of evangelicals and all the good that they stand for. He is a nasty guy with no heart. <laughs> and so I just, you know, obviously Russell Moore is not listening to us, but um, you I, don't know I, that. a couple of years ago after in 2017, I got a chance to meet him at the, the Southern Baptist convention and I just had two words for him. I shook his hand and just said, thank you. That's it. Yep. Just thank you. Uh, he, he and his ministry and the team that's down there, they do a great job of not standing on the right, not standing on the left, not standing on a Democrat or Republican platform, but a biblical platform. And they try to affect policy and politics from a biblical bias yeah. and agenda. And I'm thankful yeah. for it. Uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful that you picked somebody that was um, kind of nationally known. I'm going to go with somebody local because I feel like that's always the way it goes. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah. I like, I mean, but, but not always cause you did Dale Puckett a couple uh, weeks true. ago and then I did all youth pastors everywhere or something <laughs> along those lines. I don't remember what I did. Took the easy road. Yeah. And so we go back and forth. So I, I, so this is not going to make sense to pretty much anybody outside of our circle. Um, and that's okay. Cause this is our show. We're not monetized yet. You can't tell us what to do, but if you want to tell us what to do, uh, good Christian pod at gmail.com, you can, uh, support us and give us a lot of money and we'll tell you whatever you want us to say. Nice. Um, there is somebody that I follow on both Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and I have not had the opportunity yet. I almost had it this Sunday. I saw her at church and I almost went up and said something to her. Um, one of the things that my wife and I have tried to do and we're doing it imperfectly, but we want to sort of be there for like the next generation to say, Hey, listen, uh, I know things are a little bit chaotic and crazy, but we want to represent you and speak for you and, and give you a voice and, uh, and a home, mm. particularly like in this in this chaotic time. We hope that you find something that you like. Uh, that, Shelter that, from the outrage. Right. And, and, and that hopefully you will see someone who sort of speaks truth and wisdom who is in the next generation above you. The person that I would like to call out is actually related to our, uh, our hairless Joe Tillett, Joe, I want to, uh, a good Christian, per, a great Christian person that I want to honor today is your mom. Like on Facebook, you, she's you brought his mom into this. Totally. That's low. She crushes it on Facebook. Like she speaks with truth. Yeah. She speaks with wisdom and calm and, and love. Like I, I, I want to be her when I grow up. Like That's the worst yo mama joke I've ever heard. By it's the way. not a joke. Jennifer <laughs> Tillett, uh, I am so grateful for you. You are the kind of person that, that I hope that my wife and I hope we can be to the, the, the generation underneath us because uh, you give me so much hope. You give me so much encouragement when I see stuff. Like I just, I just feel like I'm stalking her on Facebook. Going, like, like she just, and, and she likes the Holy Post podcast and the oh, Dispatch, well, of course. and uh, and and she listens to us. What's so. her Twitter handle? You don't even know. Yeah, Joe's mom. Know. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know. But Go follow Jennifer Tillett. We're uh, we're grateful for you, Tim. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you can find her on Facebook. Look, <laughs> no, that'd be super weird to do. Don't find her on Facebook. Don't stalk her. Uh, leave that to the professionals. Tim, you got anything to say on the way out? No, Aside man, from thanks for hanging in on our longest podcast yet. Yeah, uh, I have a feeling this might be a long series. It might be a long series. but Thanks I, to Ed Setzer and giving us a thank literally you. clearance to be able to, to take your book and make it into a sermon series and a church discussion and now a podcast discussion. We are grateful for you, Ed Setzer, and the work that you are doing. And we are grateful for all of you who are listening, who take the time to subscribe, to leave us a like or a review on wherever you listen to podcasts. We are super grateful grateful for you. Thanks for going on this journey with us. Follow us on Facebook, 
Twitter and Instagram at GCPPod. Please email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. We realize today we might have stirred some things up, and we would love to continue this conversation. Let's talk about it. Let's be grace-filled people and, uh, and show what it means to be a Christian in the midst of all of this outrage. Next week, we're going to continue in this series, Christians in the Age of Outrage. And in part two, we're going to look at the lies that we believe and that help perpetuate the outrage and the division. Sounds fun. And until then, be be good. good. listening to Good Christian People, the podcast. Today's episode was recorded on September 16th, 2020 by Jeff Higgins and Tim Byer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, Maryland. If you'd like to hear more of our content, please follow us online at goodchristianpod.com or check us out on Twitter at, at GCP. you one on amazon oh sorry how, how big of an sd card do you need a normal size what you had how many sd cards sizes needs to be about yay big i'm not saying the i mean the capacity <laughs> what capacity, what capacity? <laughs> capacity 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 I'm not saying this, I mean the capacity. The capacity. The capacity. How, how big of an SD card do you need? Normal size, when you had how many SD cards sizes there are? Capacity. Capacity.